You're listening to Knowing Faith, a podcast of Training the Church. This is Kyle Worley, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Jen Wilkin and JT English. And on today's episode, this is our inaugural episode of the second season. And the crew talks about our summer, a few updates, just life updates for us. And then we talk about the upcoming season of Knowing Faith. We'll be exploring First and Second Samuel over the course of this year, doing dives into the text throughout the year. And then we'll also be doing, similar to what we did last year, picking topics that we cover in our year-long immersion program, the training program, and doing some doctrinal studies together. We hope you enjoy the discussion. Okay, so JT, you uh, tell us all what just happened. What did you try to do that didn't work out the way you thought it would? I needed to go grab a pen out of my office, so I ran out the door real quick, and the door locks mm-hmm. because we're in a, a, a studio, yep. and I put a recycling bin between the wall and the door. Oh, so was it like one of those big recycling bins? It was like heavy-duty plastic. <laughs> or no. so you thought. Yeah, so you thought, what happened? I gently set the door against the recycling <laughs> bin, and the recycling <laughs> bin basically exploded. Yeah, basically exploded. You cut it in half. I did. So uh, why? So I guess the, the the place to start for our second season is why do you hate the earth? I man, where wow? <laughs> in an ironic turn of events, the recycling bin will now need to be recycled. recycled. It's actually it's like Circle of Life from Lion King. <laughs> Really posing the questions, just how many times can we recycle plastic? <laughs> there is something meta about recycling a recycling bin. Uh-huh. Oh, boy. Okay. Do we, you know, wait, hang on. Oh, please. You know the whole straw controversy of, of 2018? No. Yeah, like people now will not use straws. So I've had some oh, convictions yes. around this for a while, like just little private quiet ones. And mm. the other day we went as a team to have lunch at our favorite place to eat lunch. And... Um, I always say I would like water, no lid, no straw, no ice. And so I get my drink and I sit down. I'm feeling all good that I didn't get an extra straw. And then one of our coworkers sits down next to me and goes, oh, they gave me the long straw and I wanted a short one and proceeds to jam two straws into the (laughs) lid of her cup. (laughs) And I was like, that's it. That pretty much sums up. (laughs) Wait, so they're, they're... There has been a movement to get rid of straws. Yeah. Well, there's also a movement to get rid of like plastic utensils and replace them with wood utensils. Mm. Have you seen these? Yeah, anything compostable. What about milkshakes? No, no, no. Have like I am terrified of getting a splinter when I use. (laughs) Oh my god. Do you eat as violently as you no, go through doorways? Like, what if you gently, <laughs> gently yeah, I, 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 putting a wood fork in my mouth just feels really weird. Yeah, actually, now come to think of it, I think that is an appropriate fear for you to have, <clears throat> given the way you live your life recklessly. Oh, wow. Okay, so plastic straws, recycling, hot takes from Jen Wilkin. That is what you can expect for season two. Of knowing faith. Okay, what have we what have we been up to this summer? I, I got to tell you, I was li- I listened to our first episode from like season one on the way in this morning, and it was really funny. We were babies. We were so young, <laughs> so young. It feels like so much has happened, and so much has happened. Right? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I was kind of going through uh, just the bullet points in my head of what I could remember from the past year, and uh, it was you know it was a long list. It's a long list, but we did seem so young. Now we're jaded. Jaded. We're jaded. That's what you can expect in season two. Oh, boy. <laughs> Set the tone. <laughs> hey, wh- wh- what was your update this summer? 
Oh, boy. Um, so uh, over the summer, well, <laughs> I should say, uh, to uh, maybe many of you did not know this, and there would be no reason for you to, but over the course of the better part of the last year, I've been planting a church in Richardson, Texas, called Mosaic Church, and we're launching that church. And so I rolled off full-time staff with the village, and so I'm still kind of here dabbling, like overstaying my welcome. Is really more like, <laughs> like this morning, just so we're clear, this morning, the key fob to get into the studio, mine does not work, and Kyle's, who is no longer a staff member here, it still does. <laughs> I'm blessed and highly favored. <laughs> there, are, there was also a reserved parking spot for me. Do you, do you have one of those? I don't have okay, one of those. Well, um, it's amazing what you can get when you threaten to leave. <laughs> But over the past year, I've been part of a group that's been planting a church in Richardson. So I've I've rolled off full-time staff, but I still get to hang around and kick it with JT and Jim for Knowing Faith and help out with the Institute in a few areas. And so that's been my update is that I uh, uh, am planting a church, which has been no small thing. When do you guys launch? We launch, uh, well, as of this recording, we will have launched, soft launched the church. And then, but our hard launch for the church is not until October. So it's crazy. It's been an awesome thing to watch, brother. Mm -hmm. Thank you. We, uh, crazy. Just for listeners, just so you know, we we gendered. Was there any? I said some ugly things. I yep. may have <laughs> sobbed in the corner and screamed, "Leaving Lever" at the yep. top of my lungs <laughs> a couple times. I said other stuff, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's been it's been a joy to watch the yeah. Lord the way the way that um, I think about what the Lord's doing through you and in the church is. Uh, you are planting a church, but really what's happening more is the Lord has planted this church mm-hmm. and these people have called you to pastor them. Yeah. And so we, we would do everything we could to get you to stay, but the Lord was just so clearly mm-hmm. in this. And we did. We did. <laughs> everything we Judging could. Judging from your key fob, yeah. we yeah. did. We did. Mm-hmm. So, hey, you know what? Thank but you. I'm so grateful you get to be around Thank still. you. And I'm grateful I get to hang out with you guys too. Yeah. This will be fun. And uh, you had a big thing too. You switched from a manual toothbrush. <laughs> I did. This and, is very real. Yeah, so let, let's talk about it because yes. we because it has been a point of this, conversation regularly. Maybe I've the most frequent honest. thing we've talked about. I'm a, I always brushed my teeth regularly, but I never once looked forward to it. Mm-hmm. But given our conversations in last season's uh, podcast yeah. with your mishaps, <laughs> I was like, you know what? I wonder. I wonder if I should try out an electric toothbrush. Mm-hmm. I then went to the dentist, and my dentist said, "You should try an electric toothbrush." And I was like, "Oh." It, of course, you the should. Lord, the Lord is telling me to get an electric toothbrush. <laughs> yep. So I got an electric toothbrush, and I've got to tell you, I look forward to brushing my teeth in the morning and at night every mm. single day. Like I genuinely am excited. Like I feel yeah, like I've never you, brushed my teeth. Because you told me you used to go weeks without brushing. Your I mean, teeth. it just yeah. depended. <laughs> it just depended what was going on that People week. Knew. Yeah. <laughs> I love my electric toothbrush. Okay. It has I an think app. It has an app. Don't. It tells me. Listen. No, no, no. It tells me if I missed an area in my mouth. It tells me what area I need to work on. If I'm mm. going for. You can go for cleanliness, whiteness, yeah. deep clean. Mm-hmm. I mean, like it has all, I mean, just, it's, yeah, it's, it's highly featured. What do you want to do? Mm-hmm. You can do it with yep. this. So we have six family members for whom we're responsible for their dental care. Mm. And every single one of my family members has come home from the dentist saying, I have to get an electric toothbrush. So it is true that I sometimes question that level of consistency in the message mm. in things like I, that. I, yeah, and I'm sure. pretty sure they had a dentist convention. Yeah, and they, for sure. And they were like, and electric. someone's getting a kickback. They're getting something. Yeah, they're all getting. There is no yeah. doubt. There's no doubt. But yeah. it's but, dirty money. We all know it. Clean teeth, but clean teeth. Dirty but money. Teeth. <laughs> <laughs> a great tagline for an electric toothbrush. Yeah, yeah. I've just got to tell you, if you are considering the move to an electric Stop toothbrush, it. You, I'm he's, on the, he's on the dole too. now. Yeah, I love this. Uh, well, and have you got any on your shirt? 
Well, I no, of course not. I put the toothbrush in my mouth before I turn it on. Yeah. Have you gotten some on your teeth since we last discussed this? Well, on my teeth, yes. I mean, on on your clothes, yes. I like. I'm no longer thinking about it as a stain. I'm thinking about it as an overage of cleanliness. (laughs) It's a badge of belonging at this point. Yeah, of course. So it's it's a sign to the world. Hey. I brushed my teeth. My this dentist. Morning. There got are other me signs. Too. Yeah, you you can stand very close to me and talk, and there'd be no problem. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. So enough about toothbrush. Well, that was my update and JT update. Jen, what were you doing this summer? Uh, I did some travel. Um, I got to go to Australia for a conference, and mm. Jeff came along with me because we celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we really like each other still. That's awesome. And uh, it was fun. We had a good time. And it it was like anytime I travel like that, meeting believers in places far away is really cool. Mm. Like you realize, oh, the Lord's church is big and his work goes forward and people love him everywhere. So that's always a fun aspect of it. Uh, and then we just had some good family time and on, well, by the time this podcast airs, my life will be meaningless, meaningless, chasing after the wind because my youngest is leaving for college. I can't imagine what that's going to feel like. Yeah. I mean, like it's not going to feel good. You won't have to imagine it because you're going to witness me falling apart. Mm. We can talk about it whenever you want, but there's got to be a deep sense of accomplishment at the same time. Uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I mean, you know, it feels like it's it's a brutal passage of time, whether, you know, whether you succeeded or not, they're leaving. But we are, he is, I mean, he's totally ready. Like we, we do, it is a happy send off. Um, They all have been happy send offs, but man, it hurts. Things like crazy. I ran into, actually ran into Lauren Chandler at Mm -hmm. uh, Target on Sunday and she's like, Hey, how are you doing? And I started crying oh, on the tuna fish aisle. It's <laughs> <laughs> an appropriate place so to cry. Great. <clears throat> yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So big things, big things. Yeah. Toothbrush. Toothbrush, last kid going off to college, planning a church. If you, if you want to console yourself, you can get a toothbrush <laughs> okay. and track your cleanliness. Yeah. Well, okay, so contrary to what you might, if this is your first episode that you're listening to Knowing Faith, then at this point, if you're still listening, uh, then uh, you. you are patient. Mm-hmm. Um, but what is the Knowing Faith podcast? What are, what are we doing here? Well, um, uh, almost a year ago to the date, uh, we uh, started a podcast called Knowing Faith. And, and the point of starting the podcast was to encourage and cultivate uh, conversation around issues of biblical literacy and theological education in the life of the local church. Uh, that's, that's what the department that we all are kind of working in or around uh, has been doing for years now. And so I would love maybe, uh, JT, if you could kind of kick us off with going, okay, um, why is theological education and biblical literacy important in the life of the local church? And why did we start a podcast to talk about it? Yeah, I mean, this question, I, this is such an important question to me because it's it's deeply personal. So I, can't, I think I've shared this on the podcast before, but just for maybe a quick repeat, I came to faith in college. Uh, somebody shared the four spiritual laws with me. And then I had a lot of, of, of uh, people in my life who loved me deeply and who loved the Lord, but didn't know how to maybe to disciple me or teach me. Uh, the Bible and theology, and I thought as a follower of Jesus and somebody who thought Jesus was really important, I should get to know the Bible well and get to know theology because I had friends who were outside the faith who knew far more about my faith than I knew about my faith myself. And so I had I had a friend tell me or a mentor tell me, you need to go to seminary in order to learn the Bible and learn theology. And that was a, I'm grateful for his answer. I loved going to seminary. It was a it was a valuable time in my life. I went to seminary twice. I thought it was so valuable. So again, I'm <laughs> for seminary. But at the same time, I always just wondered what. 
theology is the most valuable thing. And honestly, it's, if, if, we're, if what theology is is words about God or thoughts about God, there's simply nothing more practical in the life of the believer or in the life of the local church. And my experience in the local church was, was, not, was not that. I was not receiving theology or Bible literacy. <coughs> I had to typically go outside the church to parachurch ministries or other organizations to, to learn the Bible well. And so for me, the, 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 the question that gets me up in the morning, even more than, than being a pastor at the village or my specific job description here, though I love that and I'm grateful for that, is how do we cultivate Bible literacy, theological formation in the life of the local church? Because I think it's one of the main tools that the Lord uses to vivify and to bring mm-hmm. life to the local church. Okay. Absolutely. And just for those of you who are um, listening along and nodding your heads, JT won't say this, but he just preached his face off on Sunday. Um, it was wow. the, the sermon is uh, August 12th, and it's called What is a Disciple? And if you want to hear him talk more about this in really good ways, mm. you should go look that one up. We should put it in the show notes, really. That would be good. Thanks, Jen. So, Jen, so JT is passionate about this, but you, you've kind of been disinterested in biblical literacy yeah, for, really care. for years. Mm-hmm. And JT and I have just been trying to convince you this <laughs> issue matters. Jen. When are you going to get on, on board with this? And so... Why have you been so reluctant? Yeah. Um, You know, when I got here and um, started talking about this, uh, I didn't hear a lot of other people talking about it. And in the last, you know, I've been in the village for 11 years. In the last 11 years, I have seen a growing interest in it, which is so exciting. And I don't think it's necessarily due to me so much as it is due to just this growing recognition of, wow, it's not going to be easy to be a Christian Mm -hmm. in the United States Mm -hmm. or really anywhere else. And, And I don't think I know my sacred text as well as I should. And so there's just this massive opportunity. And then here at the village in particular, I think there is a a hunger that is perhaps a little unique to our setting because of the kind of preaching that we get on the weekends. It's not the kind of preaching that sort of fills up your tummy for the week. It doesn't fill up your spiritual tank and send you out feeling like, okay, I got this. Mm -hmm. It, it it causes you to recognize uh, your need. Mm. And so, um, then JT shows up, and I was like, okay, let's go. Mm-hmm. And uh, he cared about the theology piece, which is not to say I didn't. It was just that I had my eyes on this other thing. Mm-hmm. And I would say in the first couple of years that we worked together, we, we sort of learned a growing mutual appreciation for what the other really cared about. Absolutely. And um, when it comes to talking about Bible literacy, I'm very precise in the way I say it. I don't say biblical literacy. I say Bible literacy because there are a fair number of people who feel biblically literate in the sense that they feel like they know some of the stories of the Bible or they know general concepts about theology. And so when I use the term Bible literacy, I'm specifically wanting to point people toward, could you take a pop quiz over your sacred text yeah. and pass? Mm-hmm. And my, my, my discovery has been that most people, close. most people can't. Uh, and then, and then convincing them to care that that matters is, is the thing that Sort yeah. of gets me up in the morning. Yeah. And I think you're being modest because I think part of your genius, Jen, and your contribution is that you not only teach on biblical literacy in a way that's persuasive, but I feel like you also captivate the imagination. Like, I feel like uh, what Yo-Yo Ma does for people for classical music, <laughs> you do for people with biblical literacy. I yeah. love how Kyle never chooses the small metaphor when the large one will do. <laughs> Kyle, Kyle recently introduced me at something as the best Bible teacher in the world. And I was like, well, there's no pressure there to... Uh, to teach the passage hey, listen, well. If I get to do the introduction, <laughs> I do it hyperbole. my way. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My way. No, but but what I mean by saying that is that um, there's one, like if I come in and say, look, let me do a lecture on biblical literacy, then yeah, I can. Bible uh, literacy. Bible. <laughs> uh, 
Bye. Okay. All right. Here we go. Let's do this. This is, yeah. this is it. This is, how, this is the dynamic. Mm-hmm. If I come in and do a lecture on Bible literacy and I say, hey, here's a 40-minute case for Bible literacy, that's one way of convincing people. And you have done that. You've done it here, there, and everywhere in book form and, and then in speaking. But you've also just have over like almost 20 years now yeah. of teaching in the life of the church, which is just demonstrating, mm-hmm. look, look how yeah. beautiful it is to be acclimated to your uh, sacred text yeah. and be able to know it and how to rightly divide it. So that's part of your contribution. And how it cultivates so. the life of a disciple. Right. And, and the think, life of the church. Yes, right. absolutely. So it's not like it's just like, oh, it makes me a better Christian. It's like, no, no, no. Mm-hmm. It or contributes smarter. to our whole people. Yeah, mm-hmm. One of my favorite lines that Jen uses is you can't uh, uh, know. What, what, how does it go? I'm, I'm losing it right now. The heart cannot yeah, 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 what yeah, the yeah. mind yes. does not know. I, I messed yeah. it up because no, I used a different right. line in my sermon right. this week. Yeah. But, but one of the things that's so true there is as I've had conversations with people about whether they should grow in their knowledge of the sacred text mm-hmm. or grow in their ability to formulate kind of theological principles in their mind, even some of the most basic ones, we're not talking about academic scholarly theology, just really simple. Jesus is Lord. And what does that mean for my life? People are afraid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the biggest fears that I think people have is they've been told that if I grow in a knowledge of God, it's possible that I'll actually grow cold hearted mm-hmm. towards yep. God. Mm-hmm. Dampen your affection. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like uh, I, I told people when I was going to seminary uh, and the joke was, oh, you're going to cemetery or, hey, mm-hmm. JT, you're, you know, you're really on fire for the Lord. The Lord's really been doing some great things in your life. I'm concerned that as you go learn more things about him, you might love him less. Mm. And I've just got to tell you, my experience has been not just opposed to that, but like diametrically opposed to that. 100% the opposite has happened. As I've grown to know God through the biblical text and know what he's done in history, know, know his affections for me, know his affections for his church, my affection for him has mm-hmm. only grown. Yeah. We have this fear, I think, and, and I did mention this in the sermon this past week. It's just, it's just on my mind still of not only growing cold hearted, but we'll become pharisaical mm-hmm. if we know the Bible more. And what, what I've just realized is we typically have not only some caricatures of the Pharisees, but some some extreme uh, false character characters of, of what the Pharisees were and well, who they were uh, in the life of, of the New Testament. It wasn't that the Pharisees knew their Bible well. It's that they didn't know their Bible well at all. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, Jesus never condemns them for their knowledge of Scripture. He condemns them for being bad readers of Scripture. Mm-hmm. Right. And he says over and over and over again, you're supposed to be the teachers of the law and you don't know these things or right. uh, you search for life in these things, but you're not even finding me in them. So it's not that he's condemning their Bible reading. He's saying you're horrible theologians right. and you're passionate about it. Because he, he, he says that the object of knowing the Scriptures is knowing him. Exactly. Right? And, and I think the ch- modern church today is completely upside down on this mm-hmm. still. And yes. you can find it in, uh, we, we are consumed with self-knowledge, mm-hmm. detached from the knowledge of God. And so, I mean, you look at like even, I'm going to touch a nerve here. I'm not dogging on this, but uh, we, we love the Enneagram. We love, um, you know, or if it's not that, it's some other personality test. We are obsessed with self-discovery. And it even, if you look at like the typical <laughs> lyrics of a worship song or um, the typical devotional, if you were to circle the I am statements right. that are made in those lyrics or in that devotional, you would find that the I am statements are actually talking about us mm-hmm. instead of uh, pointing us toward the toward the Lord and 
um, you know, this is we've said this a million times, but what Calvin talks about, that there is no true knowledge of self apart from the knowledge of God. Mm-hmm. And so it is not wrong to desire right self-knowledge, but we're going about it um, by focusing first on self-knowledge uh, or on self-knowledge detached from any desire to know the God of the universe, and it, it won't stick. I mean, yeah. the reason we keep coming back to the well is because um, we keep saying, who am I, with no concern for who he is. Yep. Um, and and we need to give people a vision, a transcendent vision of God. And all of this that you're hearing is really the engine that drove wanting to do this podcast. Absolutely. And because we felt like there was a, um, that this is a growing concern, but also a growing opportunity in the life of local churches. And uh, that we felt like, hey, listen, we're already all doing this. Mm-hmm. So like mm-hmm. the conversation that you're hearing right now and the conversations you'll hear in these podcasts are conversations that JT, Jen, and myself were just always having. Yeah, we're having these at lunch or, yeah, what, I mean, just walking down the hallway. Exactly. Like basically when we were supposed to be getting other things done. Right. right. Yes. Yeah. Our <laughs> inboxes were filling up. And we're like, let's talk about the Trinity. Um, Could you imagine anything more productive, no, Kyle? it's a beautiful thing okay. to do. No, and so, yes. but we were having these conversations and we felt like, you know what? What if we just started recording them? I mean, that's about yeah. how we started this. And my like, instinct was like, no. Yeah, JT and I were like, no. Yeah, Nobody's going to listen. I really had to fight you to get in here for <laughs> the first time. There is no doubt. We had, a, we had a little battle. But it turns out people are listening, and we're so grateful for that. And we also think one of the interesting dynamics here at play is that at a time in which it seems more polarized than ever on either side of the but either side of the perspective here uh, that, uh, in terms of relationship between men and women and the life of the world and the life of the church and then the life of ministry together, one of the things that we, we really feel like this podcast is attempting to do is demonstrate that brothers and sisters not only can but should be doing the theological tasks together. together. Mm-hmm. And if that's not happening, then we will be mm-hmm. impoverished for it. Mm-hmm. And so... All of those things are the reason why we jumped out to do Knowing Faith. Uh, and we had a great season last season. Do you, like, Is there anything that you remember from last season as a memorable moment or something that you're like, oh, man, we talked about that and that was really helpful or profitable? Anything that stands out to you? So I uh, just, Kyle had, we, we were, we've joked about how we do very little prep sometimes for these. And Kyle had kind of thrown this out there yesterday. And I went blank on every single thing we had talked about. And every, I was like, I don't remember one word we said. So I actually texted my kids because my kids listen to the podcast. And uh, I got some really funny responses. Some of them I can't repeat here. But they, uh, they said, I thought it was interesting to kind of hear what they said. They, they said that the one that we did um, on Catholicism, oh, yeah. specifically yeah. asking the question, you know, what did we lose in the Reformation, right. uh, that that was one that really stuck with them. Um, and they said the one on the Holy Spirit was really interesting to them to, to think about. Um, and then I think just the general, it's been funny to hear it from my kids' perspective, because mm-hmm, obviously right. they know me, like I can't pull a fast one on. I'm sure. like, hey, go listen to the cool version of mom on the podcast. Because <laughs> <laughs> just imagine if this is the cool version, what the normal version is oh, like. But um, they've also said, you know, it's just fun to hear. It, it's like a granting of permission almost to have these conversations. Because mm-hmm. yeah. you guys know, like, I'm not seminary trained. And I, I don't say that to, like, dumb down my credentials. I've, I've tried really hard to learn on my own. And I have an English degree, which has helped enormously with learning the Bible. But I think it is a nice mix we, we have here, too. And, 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 and my kids have certainly picked up on that of, like, you know, JT's always going to come in and drop, like, the, the heavy... <laughs> 
It's always going to explode do do the recycle bin, so to speak. Yeah. Um, I need to grow in my self-awareness, I guess. <laughs> you know, Kyle's going to be like the color guy who's also then at the last minute going to like smack you in the face with something really good right when you think the podcast is over. Um, and I'm always going to come back and harp on, you know, knowing the text. And uh, But but that they um, they found it enlivening just to, to, to be sort of almost given permission to start having these conversations. We live in a possession and money-obsessed culture, but what does the Bible say about generosity? In his new book, A Short Guide to Gospel Generosity, author Nathan Harris shows us that the answer to our obsession with possessions is turning to the gospel, because only in the gospel can we find the type of life transformation that enables us to turn our focus from ourselves and back to others, to give generously, and to follow in the way of Christ. To learn more about the book, visit GuideToGospelGenerosity.com. That's GuideToGospelGenerosity.com. Do you ever get stuck wondering how to study a Bible passage? The Courage for Life Study Bibles for Women and the Courage for Life Study Bibles for Men have over 1,400 Bible studies. That's a Bible study on every page of Bible text. Access to the Filament Bible app lets you dive even deeper. If you download the app and you scan the page number, you can open up a world of resources, including over 25,000 additional study notes, hundreds of videos, and a full audio Bible. Start discovering at courageforlifebible.com. That's courageforlifebible.com for incredible study notes and an incredible study Bible. Yeah, I'll kind of pick up there too. I think maybe one of the things that's been most valuable for me, whether it's just in this podcast or the conversations that we're having and whether they're happening in a classroom that we're all in trying to teach together, the feedback that I get over and over and over again is people are given permission. This is going to sound like heretical. I don't mean it that way, but to be wrong right? And to right. learn. Uh-huh. Like, like, like a huge part of theology, at least my fear in doing theology as I was, as I was trying to grow as a theologian uh, in, um, in, in the earliest years of my faith was, well, if it's about God, I have to be right. right. Because the mm-hmm. cost is so enormous that if yeah. I get this wrong and so people are so afraid of entering in and being given permission to be wrong that they just won't enter in mm-hmm. like right. if i won't be right i won't be wrong i'll just be blissfully ignorant and the- that's just not the way theology is done theology is best done in the context of community where you're given permission to ask questions and to make make statements and kind of float them out there and say is this is this representative of how the Bible represents God yeah. uh, among friends and among people who are trusted among diverse opinions and voices and yeah. so i think that's that's what this podcast represents for me because as I come in here and we have some podcasts that, that we're recording in the coming weeks that I, I need to learn about, I want to know about. <laughs> I start and to like, panic when like, I genuinely. read the and so, and so I just hope that people as they're listening into these things have that same kind of sentiment in their heart that, hey, this it's okay to enter into these waters yeah. not knowing things. Mm-hmm. But the hope is, is that we'll learn together. Yeah. yeah. I, I was listening. So I listened to the first one, but also listened to clips from a, or a few others. And I was really... Um, so I, I, the memorable moments for me from last year are uh, one on the funny side of things. We were talking to Dr. Pennington and we were like wrapping up the interview and I asked him like, hey, what would you tell somebody if they really want to like learn oh, yes. the Sermon on the Mount better? Mm-hmm. And like expecting him to give like a like, oh, here's a book or like you should watch this video or listen to this or whatever. And he like paused. It was like dead air, which is, you know, terrifying yeah. on a podcast. <laughs> and he was like, memorize it. 
Like he just said it like deadpan, <laughs> and we just all were like, "Yep, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, that is the obvious. Yeah, that would be a great place to start." Yeah. So that is the highlight for me. And then um, your epi- uh, our episode on the Trinity, which was episode three. Mm-hmm. I now send that episode when somebody asks me a question, like which seems now that I'm saying it maybe a little arrogant. <laughs> <laughs> I feel terrible about that now. Now that I've said it out loud, um, but but I do think it is a helpful introductory resource yeah. for the key questions around thinking through God's triune nature. And so, like I listened to it, I listened to about twenty minutes of it this morning, and just thought, man, like it's it's not like it's oh that's the best resource ever on the Trinity, but it's a good introductory just kind of a primer. resource. Yeah, yeah. we're and actually it, we didn't sorry I didn't interrupt you, but we weren't we weren't anticipating using the podcast this way, but for the training program. Every week we send out an email to students, kind of, hey, here's what we're, here's what we just learned this past week, here's what we're learning next week, here's some recommended resources, and we're going to put the podcasts that have to do with the training program topics in, just That's so great. that, because a lot of the students are being introduced to it that night in, yeah. in the class, and so if they're interested in more listening, they've become resources mm-hmm. for us that we weren't, that was not in, intentional, but mm-hmm. it's going to be great. And then you I could think, argue we didn't have a lot of intent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. It's like, hey, let's just talk yeah. about it. <laughs> just get in a room and talking to mics. <laughs> and then I think the third memorable moment is our episode on brothers and sisters doing theology together. Mm-hmm. Because that's an issue that's so dear to our heart, and it was a moment. Mm-hmm. It was. There was a, there was it was a, a moment, cultural there, moment. Uh, yeah. in our little world mm-hmm. where people mm-hmm. were going like, wait, wait, hold on. Can we not? Is this off limits? Mm-hmm. Right. It just felt like we needed to talk to it. Um, what a lot of people don't know is we actually recorded that episode twice. We did. Because the first one was a little too hot. A little spicy. <laughs> a little spicy. <laughs> a little spicy. We came in, had some coffee, we'd read some articles. Mm-hmm. We were not in a great We were ready place. to go. <laughs> <laughs> and I have the raw audio for that one, and no, I did listen to that. really not <laughs> keep that around. And then, you know, I think most people don't realize that by the time we get in here, some of the things that come out in the podcast, like I recall one week where the two of you had a full shouting match in a hallway. Yeah, we probably did. About, uh, I think it was about a song lyric. Is that what it was? I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember. We don't need to get back into it. That's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so uh, we're going to stop thinking about the past and look towards the future. So what are we covering this season? Um, So uh, for Knowing Faith, what we did last season and what we'll be doing this season is we took the book of the Bible that our church was studying, which was Matthew last year, and it will be 1st and 2nd Samuel this year. And we provided just a high-level overview at certain parts, and then we dove into the text at various parts of the Gospel of Matthew in the first season. But in this season, uh, since our church will be studying First and Second Samuel mm-hmm. uh, in the fall and the spring, respectively, uh, we'll, we'll be looking at First and Second Samuel and diving in at certain parts to kind of consider what's going on in First and Second Samuel. We'll also be talking through some training program topics like the Doctrine of Revelation, the Davidic Covenant, the Incarnation. We'll have guests, both internal and external, so people that serve on our staff, but also people that are in the area or subject matter experts that we trust that we will pull in to have a conversation with us about any range of topics. And so, Jen, I'd love to hear from you. Um, when I first heard that we were doing a Bible study on First and Second Samuel, I thought, that sounds like a bad idea. <laughs> Second. <laughs> so... Coast, uh, oh, I'm remembering another loud conversation now with so JT. why uh-huh. did you feel so strongly about doing a Bible? Listen, I trust you. I trust you. <laughs> why did you feel so strongly about doing a Bible study on First and Second Samuel? Like, why? Um, well, the Old Testament matters, and what? we're gonna. I know we're gonna keep saying that the Old Testament matters, and um, we have a pattern of of rotating or alternating one year in the New Testament, one year in the Old Testament. So it was time to go to the Old Testament. 
And based on uh, my history with the women specifically of our church, but now also we have the men studying along as well, uh, we we just have some major gaps in our uh, understanding of the history that is in the Old Testament. And it's not that people might not have just a general overview, like a lot of people may understand, oh yeah, this is generally what happened in the Old Testament. But First and Second Samuel is going to give us an opportunity to zoom in on a specific period in the history of the nation of Israel that is critical for us to understand. And it's going to present to us some, some figures in the narrative that we really need to take a closer look at. Yeah. So, um, I never, I, I get so fired up for Old Testament year. Uh, JT tried to get me to do the book of Isaiah. Like mm-hmm. he would not shut up. I'm about still, I'm still it. holding out hope that maybe we'll. Yeah. And I'm, I'm all for doing um, either a study on the minor prophets or picking up one of the major prophets. But I just felt like our people were not ready for it yet because they were still missing a piece of history that was going to help them yeah. be ready that to, makes sense. to hear the, have the prophecy laid on top of, oh, where are we mm-hmm. in yeah. that story? So. That makes sense. And I would imagine like, like, uh, doing a study in first and second Samuel, like maybe you guys had like 20 people that were interested in that. <laughs> <laughs> that like that, like registration probably wasn't a problem. We, uh, yeah. We had, this is such a gift. We, um, we broke the internet when we opened <laughs> registration. I mean, it was like, oh gosh, here we go again. But also what a treasure yeah. to have people fighting to get a spot in these classes. And then just for those of you who are not here locally, you should know that we do post the resources. You can follow along remotely yeah. if you'd like to. The workbook's the downloadable. Yep. Yeah, no charge. Yeah. And um, so we're not, you know, but but we do really believe this is one of our things that JT and Kyle and I care a lot about, about doing doing these things in community face-to-face yep. with others. So really, if you do want to use the, the materials remotely, we would urge you to do so in, in some sort of group format. Yeah. I, I mean, I used to serve at a, at a church that was, didn't have the resources to pull off mm-hmm. uh, like large-scale men and women's Bible study. And mm-hmm. we would often step, step onto the internet, find a church yep. we trusted and go, what do they have that we don't have to pay for yeah. that we can use? And so... Uh, I, I I was really blessed by churches that were willing to do that. So well, I'm going to throw in one other thing too. And we say this at the beginning of the audio each week. What we really don't want you to do is have everybody listen to what I said or mm-hmm. what some other teacher said. I would much rather you be identifying teachers in your local church context and training them. And if they want to utilize the audio that we've done as a tool to help them prepare the lesson, that's great. Mm-hmm. But ideally, um, your people are teaching your people yeah. in a face-to-face setting. That's good. that's good. Like when we're doing theology, here and trying to write curriculum or do studies or the training program, we're thinking about yeah. our people. That's right. Like we're, we're trying to do things for the village church. If they're usable We're outside, happy you can use it, but you're awesome. not our primary audience. Yeah, but we want to use, we want to produce them to help you produce your own. That's yeah, right. That's yeah. So talking about that, JT, as we head into the training program's fourth year, yeah. it's crazy to think about that. It blows my mind. Like I, I, I was thinking on the way in today about sitting, I drove the route I drove, I drove past Twisted Root. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Uh, so oh, JT man. and I, gosh, it's now <laughs> almost three and a half years ago. Yeah. Well, maybe no, longer. It, longer. Uh, we sat in a Twisted Root. Yeah. And wrote a syllabus. Well, I remember, and, and not only did you write the <laughs> syllabus, like I was panicking because yeah. when I originally envisioned the training program, I was praying for like 50 people would have just been like outstanding. I remember sitting in this room. I was I did a podcast with Matt and Josh and they're like, so what's the training program going to be? It's like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, think of an answer. Think of an okay, answer. Yeah. 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 Well, it, because it felt, it felt new. Like I, we didn't know what to expect. What, how many people are going to want to receive this level of right. education and this level of training that's going to require a lot from them. And we had, I think it was something like 459 applicants that first yeah. year. And it was not a good moment for me. It was intense 
fear and panic because we didn't have a curriculum written. We just told them we're going to do a year of Bible theology and spiritual formation, and we're going to write the lectures week to week, and it's going to be wild, wild west. Come do theology with us. And I remember calling you that morning. It wasn't like we had this set up to write like a curriculum writing session. It was, Kyle, help. We need to get together. Mm -hmm. I drove 15 minutes down from Flyermont, you drove up from Dallas, and we sat at a Twisted Root for a couple hours, ate some hamburgers. Yeah, and yeah that's a burger place for those of you who yes. are missing. Yeah. You know, hey, Sorry. guys, guess what? Context is king. That Yo. is true. Yeah. Uh, they can look it up. Twistedroot.com. Yep. Uh, but we sat, I'll never forget that day because I, mean, I think the Lord used that day providentially not only to, to build the curriculum but to kind of uh, bind our hearts together oh, yeah, and be sure. passionate about what this was. This is before you were on, you were on staff at the village, but you yeah. were not on, on our staff. No, yet. I was the we, connections. We hadn't poached him yeah. yet. Is that yeah. what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, we hadn't. And so that was just a, I'll, I'll always remember that day. So after, uh, so going into your fourth year of yeah. doing the training program, and for those who don't know, the training program is a one year long theological and biblical immersion program yep. here at the village and um, high bar of commitment. Uh, it's, it's far down our scope and sequence in terms of teaching. So it's high investment. Mm-hmm. We're hoping uh, that, in other words, that a lot of the men and women that are coming in have done gen studies they're familiar with how to read their bible they're familiar with kind of the basics of christianity so that we can do closer to a graduate level of study so after three years of that going into year four what have you learned about doing theological education in the local church what's like your one key takeaway this is going to make some people upset uh, i'm not sure they listen to this they probably probably don't listen to this but the quality i think a lot of people when we when i took this job and started this thought that the quality of education was going to be drastically lower than what is producible in a seminary or bible Mm -hmm. college and i teach in seminaries and my experience has been the exact opposite the quality is actually in my opinion I'm not saying the quality of my teaching is better. I'm saying the quality of theological education is better because the students are asking the right questions and they're doing it in the context of the local church. And that drastically changes the kind of education that can happen. Give me an example of that. Um, I think of moms. We have a lot of moms in the training program. And these are women who traditionally wouldn't have access to Mm -hmm. higher higher levels of theological education, but they're asking all the same questions that would be asked in a seminary, but they're asking it from the context of real life, not the context of trying to get a question right on a tech, Mm -hmm. on a test. And that means when they ask me a question, they're not, they're pinning me down until I, until I answer (laughs) the question. And if I don't know the answer to the question, I tell them, I don't know. Yeah. So that's an example of a group that historically would have had low access Mm -hmm. and that the environments are weaker because of their low access Mm -hmm. and that this environment is strengthened because of a higher access. And I'm finding that they're some of the best students. Yeah, that's, there's no doubt about because, that. Because of the access that they haven't had and now they have access to it, they're just, they're eager, they're yeah. passionate, they have time to do it. And so it just feels like some of the facade is gone right. a little bit. Like you can't give the traditional answer that might've like gotten you out of the question. They're mm-hmm. like, no, 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 you didn't answer my question. This is what I'm asking. Right. And so I've just, I've so far I've realized that the quality of education is or the quality of learning is higher than I was anticipating it yeah. would be. And maybe maybe just one last thing. After that first year of high application rates, I was terrified that we went through like how many people were going to be interested yeah. and be done. But we're now year four in and we're still turning hundreds of people away every year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I want to just make a comment here um, for a listener, particularly if you're a pastor in a local church and you hear us talk about these things, we're not telling this story because we're like, okay, this is our opportunity to brag. One of the no. reasons we want to tell this story is we believe that this is actually reproducible Possible. and scalable mm-hmm. for your environment mm-hmm. and that your people will rise to the occasion and will profit from it. And it's worthy of your investment. That's right. Mm-hmm. It, uh, I can tell you as somebody who is now planting a church and does not have the same level of resources, uh, we don't have a building. Mm-hmm. We don't have uh, we don't have a defined set of 
teachers. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to like develop those people. We don't have endless staff and endless monies, right? As you might perceive a large church does, even though that's actually a caricature as well. But what I can say is that when you become convinced that this kind of thing matters, you will find a way to do it. That's exactly right. The Village Church Institute, whether it be our Bible studies, or our classes, or the training program, are not a silver bullet. Uh, and Mm-mm. if we, like if I or Jen or Kyle were somewhere else, we'd probably build it a little bit differently. We'd have some principles. We'd have to. We'd have, we'd have to. We'd have some principles that we would that would be non-negotiables for us. But if I was at a church of, of 75 people as mm-hmm. a senior pastor, a lead pastor, and an only staff member, I would still be thinking about how can I do this in my context with two people or three people yep. or four people. I'd be thinking about how do I replace myself? How do I raise up other uh, theologically trained, Bible literate men and women who can do this with me. Yeah, because that's what discipleship is. That's right. Well, hey, I vote we do a podcast on that, we on should. Christian education principles and how do we do this in the local church. That would be great. Noted. Kyle. Okay, I've typed it in <laughs> to my mind, my mind bank. Okay, last question, <laughs> just to land the plane here. What, what what did you read or what are you reading uh, over this summer? <coughs> Anything good? Are you still in Anna Karenina? So when I saw this question, I was like, all right, this is a moment for vulnerability. Anna Karenina is now officially the most well-traveled novel I have ever <laughs> it's gone around upon. the globe twice. It has traveled the globe with me. I'd like to report that I'm about halfway through. And it's not that I haven't been reading other things or that I'm not enjoying it. I am enjoying it. But I have I get hit with a lot of requests to read manuscripts, which I'm actually happy about. I read some good things, but I can't really talk about them on here because they're you know, they're not out yet, or maybe they weren't fully cooked when they were written. So uh, Anna Karenina and I are still holding hands. Okay. JT. I had to pull up my Amazon list because I, I feel like the summer's flown by. And I like, I, not that I've read a lot. I've just forgotten some of the things I've read. But here are actually a few really good books. There was a book, Paul and Apostle's Journey, uh, which was just fantastic. It, it set Paul in context for me in a way that a lot of other books hadn't. Uh, this was a recommendation from Jen as I was preaching on uh, the Great Commission last week. It was a Dallas Willard book, The Great Omission. Uh, it was a fantastic. I, I have not read a lot of Willard uh, in my past. Some people had shied me away from him, but every time I pick Dallas Willard up, I'm blessed. I'm I'm I really enjoy it. And then I just bought a book. I'm kind of ashamed to say I haven't read this one. Uh, the Gospel of the Kingdom by Ladd. Uh, we speak so much. The, the kind of the, the kingdom of God is a major, major focus for us in the training program. So I've read a lot about it. But that's one of the key works in the Gospel of the Kingdom. And I haven't read it. So I just got that yesterday. That's great. Yeah. I've been reading Some Pastors and Teachers. It's a book by Sinclair Ferguson. It's like a collection of essays about Calvin, Owen, and Murray, and mm-hmm. then like their writings, John mm-hmm. Calvin, John Owen, and John Murray, the three Johns. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it's very good. Mm-hmm. And then I've been reading a science fiction book called Born, B-O-R-N-E. And it's about, it's too nerdy to get into here. Well, <laughs> oh, one other book I'm reading real quick that, that, that I've actually uh, really enjoyed. Ben Sass wrote a book, The Vanishing American Adult. Okay. Hmm. It, it, I'm doing an audible, and so okay. I don't know if you can say I'm reading it. But there's a lot of spiritual takeaways. Hmm. It's talking about how we've developed a society where it's really challenging to raise uh, uh, producing adults. Mm-hmm. But we kind of live forever in uh, some kind of... Um, Adolescence, mm-hmm. and, and that's really true for the church too. Yeah. We've created an environment mm-hmm. where spiritual adolescence is is easy for us to con- you know, just kind of uh, live in for the rest of our yeah. lives. And so I've I've been thinking about it kind of through two lenses: how is this true as I'm raising my kids, and how do I yeah. raise uh, producing adults in, in society? But also, how does this relate to discipleship? 
Huh. Oh, well, man, I'm having a lot of thoughts on that right now, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to talk about it. Well, we will talk about it sometime. I feel like I need to have a champagne bottle to smash against our second voyage. <laughs> Like right to, to like in, like we're well, embarking. How about a how about a recycle bin instead? Well, I guess oh I guess we did. We, we have, I knew that was coming back. We have broken <laughs> the bottle and come full circle, which is an improv trick, and we just did it. We closed out the show. Listen, if there's anything else that you heard us talk about on the show that you'd like to know more about, you can find details on our website trainingthechurch.com. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter by searching Knowing Faith. For more information, you can look into the show notes in the podcast description. We'd be honored for you to leave us a podcast review on iTunes or wherever you find your podcast. On our next episode, we are going to take a 30,000-foot look at First and Second Samuel, asking why do these books matter and what major themes do we find in them? See you next time. Grace and peace. Peace.